Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Victoria. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, November 7th, and we are reading from the big book, Chapter 5, How It Works. Um, On page 59, beginning with, here are the steps we took. Today's readers are, in the order they will be reading, Michelle, Fran, Sharon, and Judy B. The share number for yesterday's meeting on Tuesday, November 6th, the share code 3278. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain, to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Anne-Marie to read the 12 steps, please. This is Anne-Marie, Recovered Compulsive Eater. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge for his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive eaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, Anne-Marie. I will now call on Margaret Kay to read the 12 Traditions. Good morning. This is Margaret from South Jersey Recovered. Uh, one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. 
2, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. 3, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. 4, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. 5, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. 6, an OA group would never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. 7, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. 8, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. 9, OA as such would never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinions on outside issues, hence the OA name would never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public, me, our public relation policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all those traditions ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. Thank you, Margaret. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic in literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book. Chapter 5, How It Works. We will begin on page 59, the second full paragraph. Here are the steps we took. Michelle, would you begin reading please? Yes, good morning, Victoria. Good morning, a vision for you. This is Michelle in Missouri, a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. Here are the steps we took, which are suggested as a program of recovery. One, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, 
We're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. 7. Humbly asked him to to remove our shortcomings. 8. Made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. 9. Made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10. Continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. And um, as directed, I'll speak on the first three steps. Um, The first sentence of the paragraph said, here are the steps we took. And um, and this statement comes right after, um, you know, we've gone through... um, We've gone through the previous chapters, and now we're at the chapter where it says how it works. So they're going to they're gonna tell me how do I get um, what these recovered people have gotten, which is that spiritual awakening. And, you know, related to the first step, it tells me that um, in the previous paragraph that um, alcohol, or, or the substance for me is food, is cunning, baffling, and powerful, and without help, it's too much for us. And so that's what I'm asked to do in step one is to admit that it's too much for me um, to conquer. Um, How can I um, do battle with something that's more powerful than me? And they're telling me that I need a power greater than myself. Um, So the first thing I have to do is admit, admit I'm powerless. And that that was a big step for me. I didn't want to admit um, defeat. I didn't want to admit that I couldn't do this alone and that I was powerless over food, of all things, um, and but that's what I needed to do. That's what they told me um, the program of recovery required of me, and I needed to take this step with 100% perfection. Um, it's the only step I can take with 100% perfection, and in the beginning, I didn't take it with 100% perfection. I had that 1% doubt that maybe I could control the food. Maybe I wasn't powerless over it. Um, and so until I could admit that I was powerless over food and that I needed help and that I couldn't do battle with this substance, it was going to conquer me every time, um, I, couldn't, I couldn't move on to the next step. I had to see that I had a problem. What is the problem? Uh, the problem is that I am without power. And um, then step two presents me with a solution. Um, but it's only until I can admit and concede to my innermost self that I am powerless, um, that I'm not going to try one more time to find that easier, softer way, that I'm not going to do half measures with this step either, that I am going to admit completely and surrender. And um, I remember when I reached out and said, God, I, I need your help. I can't do this, and, I- and I'm not going to do this anymore by myself. I need your help. I took step one. And then the solutions presented, I have a problem, and then um, the big book um, and the wise people who took these steps say, um, we're not going to leave you without a solution. Here it is, step two, um, is where we came to believe in a power greater than ourselves. I could be restored to sanity. Can I just believe that? Can I believe that I need a power greater than myself um, and that the hope is there for me? 
this is a seemingly hopeless disease, um, but can I believe that there is a power? Because uh, they've told me that um, in you know the, the top of this page, there is one who has all power, and that one is God. And they're, they're saying, may you find him now because there's the solution. And then step three, made a decision. And, you know, the decision that I'm making, um, I was told early on, um, was to choose between the solution and not the problem. And, and I, I have that decision to make every single day. Um, the, the, greater, um, the greater decision in this is that I'm going to make a decision to do the rest of these steps. Um, and how I do that is I turn my will and my life over to the care of a power greater than myself. And I believe that this power, which is greater than me, is going to restore me to sanity. And, and how did I do that? Well, I, I see that in the lives of other recovered compulsive overeaters. Um, first, I see and hear that recovered people say that they, they have, um, since going through this, these steps and relying on a power greater than themselves, they haven't had a thought in years and years and years of picking up food. The thought doesn't cross their mind. My gosh, that's a, you know, that's a, that's a miracle. And do I want what they have? Um, you know, in the beginning, that's all I wanted in the beginning was just not to have the thought to pick up food. And there's greater promises, as, as we'll read on, that spiritual awakening, that God consciousness, that's, that's the, the greater um, promise here for me in these steps. But in the beginning, what I wanted was um, was not to have the food, you know, the food thoughts, that food obsession. They told me it had been removed if I just go through these steps. So I'm making a decision here. Um, what am I going to choose here? I'm at a turning point. What am I going to do? Am I going to turn my will and my life over to God, who is the solution, um, who has the power, or am I going to go back into the problem, that the the problem of you know compulsive overeating, which is always made my life unmanageable. And I will stop there. Thanks for allowing me to share. I'll pass. Thank you, Michelle. As we continue on, let's focus on the first three steps uh, in, our, in our comments. And after we've had some opportunity to share on the first three steps, steps one through three, then we will go on to steps four through six. And I will make it clear when it's time to shift our discussion on four through six. So would anyone like to comment on steps one through three? Good morning. This is Margaret in South Jersey. Good morning, Margaret. Go ahead, please. Good morning. Uh, Margaret recovered in South Jersey. You know, I'm just going to go on to step one here. We admitted we were powerless over alcohol and that our lives had become unmanageable. And just as it was said, you know, I did everything not to do that. I didn't want to do that. But, you know, here on the line, I learned, I really, really learned that by leaning into that step one, by really leaning into that step one, that was what was going to catapult me or at least push me out into the rest of the steps. And that, whenever I get confused or anything like that, I really do remember that, that I must lean hard into that first step. Because, you know, on page 85 it says, it's easy to let up on the spiritual program of action. Uh, we are headed for trouble. So when I see myself headed for trouble, uh, because, you know, I want to do my things my way, people aren't doing things my way, you know, I really try and lean into that step one. And it 
does make me rethink, you know, look at my thinking and surrender, you know, just surrender into that step one. No, Margaret, don't go there. You know what that will bring you because I know what it will bring me. It will bring me the restless, irritable, and discontent, which always led me back to that first bite. So that sense of actually leaning into it and seeing it as something uh, wonderful in my life, which I never thought, oh, dear God, I never thought, whatever comes to pass, that's what really does push me into the rest of the steps, push me into coming to believe in a power greater than myself, you know, push me into who am I to say there is no God, or are all those people, (laughs) excuse me, could all those people be wrong? you know, and into those sentences from the big book. And then that helps me to make that decision to turn my life over and to surrender and to just put my hands up, put the red flag up and say, all right, God, your will, because I know where this road is going to take me if I don't surrender. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Margaret. Who else would like to share on steps one through three? My name is Susan. I'd like to share. Good morning, Susan. Go ahead, please. Thank you. I'm going to go a little backwards on one, two, and three. Um, Once I have spent time in recovery, um, I still um, question sometimes, you know, my my will over God. I don't question it, but I find myself doing my will. And, um, you know, I have this inner questioning like, well, you know, why would I, why, you know, why not? Why not my will? I'm recovered. I can do, you know, things I've never done before, go places I've never been before. And I actually have to go back to one, to to remember my powerlessness, to see my powerlessness in, in, in my actions um, in, in today and see that my life is unmanageable by me and always will be. And um, by being in the rooms, on the phone, whatever, um, I hear people that have come to believe, and I'm reminded that they've come to believe in a power greater than themselves, and they have been restored to sanity, and that that has been my, um, historically, that was what happens to me when I say that I'm powerless and I'm unmanageable, but I have a hint of there is one who has all power, and you know, that one is God. May I find him now, as we read before, Um so for me, um, I don't deal, I mean, I don't uh, on a daily basis deal with um, uh, the issue of food today, um, I, but I do deal with my unmanageability of my life. And so uh, in one, I am unmanageable. And, and I like that it always will be. I'm, I like knowing, when I know it, I like knowing that I, it always will be. It doesn't matter, days, weeks, years. It will always be unmanageable by me, but God is standing by and will restore me to sanity if I let him, if I let him. And sometimes I'm so driven that that I'm not always um, immediately willing to even see it or or able to see it. And then in three, uh, making the decision to give uh, all of my life um, to a power greater than myself and then continuing on with the steps that, that show me how I separate myself from God and my fellow man. And um, so that's one, two, and three for me today. Thank you. Thank you, Susan. Someone else like to share on steps one through three? 
This Hello, is Anne Marie. Okay, I think I heard Anne Marie, and was there also Rose? Yes. Okay, Anne Marie, then Rose, please. Thanks, Victoria. This is Anne Marie, recovered compulsive eater. Glad to be here. Yeah, step one um, took me quite a long time, although I really believed for years that I was powerless over food. Yeah, I kept on going back to the food. And, um, you know, I kept saying to people, you know, I know I'm powerless. I know I'm powerless. But I kept on um, binging and getting into the food. And, it, you know, I really had to, um, you know, get the both concepts down, this physical addiction, that I did have a physical addiction to food, to some substances. Um, and I and I had to figure out what those substances was, and I needed to begin there. Several times I had gone through the steps, thinking that um, I was going to get abstinent during the process of going through the steps, but um, that wasn't the case for me. And and um, I don't, you know, it says it in the big book here that we um, need to first um, get abstinent before we continue on with the steps. You know. Um, uh, it, you know, in page uh, XXVI, it says, more often than not, it is an imperative that a man's brain be cleared before he is approached, um, as he has uh, then um, a better chance of understanding and accepting what we have to offer. Um, I just had to really understand that. And then um, it just took me so long to um, give in to that. But I had to get desperate enough. Um, and, and give up and be willing to do whatever. And uh came to believe that a power greater than myself. I had to humble myself. I was just, you know, talking to my sponsor last night about, you know, I was looking through my notes. When I went through, the, when I'm, as I go through the steps with her, I take some notes and uh, several times she said, pray for humility, pray for humility. Um, and I really had to humble myself and and believe that, um, God could restore me to sanity. First of all, that I was insane. Um, it was, you know, it took me a little while because I knew so much about food. I knew so much about addiction. I knew so. I just knew so much. How could I be insane? Which I certainly was when I was kept on going back to the food. Um, and that third step, which I love, um, you know, I am not in charge anymore, and so I give my life and my will over the care of God. What a burden that is off my shoulders. I didn't want to give my will over to God because I thought I was going to lose control. Well, I didn't have control to begin with. I thought I did. So once I got that concept that when I turn my will and my life over to God, then I have freedom, um, until I could get that, I just hung on to, I've got to control this. Um so, you know, these first three steps are so, so important. Thank you so much for allowing me to um, share my thoughts. Thank you, Anne-Marie. Go ahead, Rose. Thank you. Um, well, uh, my comments are, are similar to Anne-Marie, uh, but slightly different in my case. Um, as people, as you were talking about, uh, I'm Rose. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, and I'm in New York. Um, when I came to OA in uh, 1973, June of 1973, at my first meeting, 
um, I I did admit that I was powerless over food. Um, it the first step took place for me that night. Uh, the second step, I was an atheist, so I didn't take have anything to do with the second step. I didn't believe in any power greater than myself. Um, after going to meetings every every day, uh, it took about five and a half months, and I I then turned to um, prayer for the first time in my life, and I came to believe um, in November of 73 that a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity. Then what happened with my first step is I admitted I was powerless over food, but, and but, <laughs> was the downfall. But I complied with accepting that fact. There was no surrender, like no surrender, because I had the hope that maybe I wasn't like one of those men who lost his legs. My hope was that maybe I could grow new ones, someday in relationship to my food addiction. And so then the third step for me happened in May of this year when in my guts after 38 and a half years of, uh, even though the weight stayed off for the most part, it had nothing to do with a weight situation, it had to do with a battle between me and God, who I had come to believe in, but I didn't surrender. Uh, due to life, thank God, and due to God's grace, thank you God for that, um, this past May, I surrendered. I didn't comply. I didn't surrender. God gave me the surrender to admit that I'm powerless over food, I did come to believe again that he is restoring me to sanity again. But the crucial step that took place for me and has been taking place every day, many, many times a day, my decision, Rose's decision, to turn this defiant will that said, I'm not a food addict, thank you very much, Turn, change those words into, um, I make this decision to turn my will and my life over to your care as I understand you, and even if I have no understanding, I'm still turning this will over, because this is what I have done after 65 years of refusing to accept being a food addict. And God, in his love and mercy and understanding and patience and care and everything I behaved defiantly all these years with food, it seems to me has been forgotten. Um, and it doesn't matter and the only thing that does matter isn't Rose and her food addiction. It's how can I serve you now and thank you for this 
unbelievable recovery. Um, and and sur- and the surrender, keeping that surrender alive, because it was a very thin thread that um, was almost lost due to my own doing, because I was going to have my food. And thank you, God, for removing this for me one day at a time. I'll pass. Thank you, Rose. We will move on to steps four through six here. Uh, Would someone care to share on four through six? This is Sarah. Could I share? Yes, Sarah. Go ahead, please. Good morning. This is Sarah, Compulsible Reader from New York. Um, Just step four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. So, like, what does the moral inventory have to do with my compulsive overeating? Like, when I remember when I first read this, you know, what's the connection? And when the steps I've learned... I've learned that the steps um, are restoring three relationships. They're restoring my relationship with God, they're restoring my relationship with myself, and they're restoring my relationship with others. And all three are necessary. And step four begins, step one through three was restoring our relationship with God. I need that. I need to have a relationship with God in order to understand and restore my relationship with myself and with other people. Four, five, and six is a restoration of my relationship with myself. That's what it has to do with the food. The food is a symptom, but the issue, the real issue, is is me. I'm the real issue. <laughs> and until I'm I'm ready, and you know I've made that decision, so now I'm I'm making a searching and fearless moral inventory. I'm looking deep, and I'm and I'm opening up old wounds to be able to to um, restore and to come to terms with, to you know, in step five, to admit, step six, to ask to be ready to have God remove all our defects of character. It's my, my character defects. It's my, my secrets. It's my shame. It's my insecurity. It's my, it's all the things that, that drove me to the food that I'm I'm opening up and I'm like doing for me it was like open heart surgery. <laughs> it was open heart surgery to do this. Um and then step five, which is just like healing, which is the most healing process ever in my world. It was the most extraordinary experience ever. I can I I can't even begin to describe it. Um how healing that was and I really that process these steps these steps four five and six were to me the most healing in in terms of this recovery and because I never was comfortable in my own skin and and I just was always like hiding from the world hiding from myself and hiding from the world and these steps is what took away all the power that I gave to the food. And they 
they helped me establish this close and intimate relationship with God. Yes, I believed. So steps one through three, yeah, I believe in God. I believe you have all that power. But I don't necessarily believe that I deserve to have access to that power. And steps four, five, and six gave me um, restored with the help of my very incredibly sensitive sponsor gave me the ability to re-establish a belief that I deserved to have that relationship with God. And um, it's it's just these steps are are it's like open heart surgery, but they're life giving and it's you know delicate and sensitive and um, but restorative and with that I'll pass. Thank you, Sarah. This is Victoria, Recovered Compulsive Overeater, and I'd like to comment. It was so clear to me when I got to steps four through six, the the inspired order of the steps, how I could not have possibly taken steps four through six without steps one through three. The first step where I faced absolute defeat was what made me willing to go to any lengths, to be that rigorously honest, to put one foot in front of the other when I didn't feel I could. The second step was absolutely vital. I threw myself back on the second step so many times in the process of doing steps four through six, because that's where my hope was for for the future, because I was seeing the mess, how big it was, how deep it ran, the kind of destruction that it caused in my life and the lives of others, and it was a sobering picture. I, I constantly went back to that second step, do I believe God could and would restore me to sanity? That belief carried me. And because in the third step, because I stayed food sober, which I had never done before in taking the steps, I would ultimately pick up the food. I could not stay stopped so that I ended up working the steps in an intoxicated state that old defiance and self-will came back, and I was incapable of surrender. Um, So taking the steps with the food down was an unbelievably transformative process because then the power of the steps could work. Step four, because we're told we need to be rigorously honest was really not for the faint-hearted. Um, I really, again, fell back on the second step. Would God be there? Would there be a positive outcome? Could I be changed? And in the fifth step, it was very important for me to speak it, to speak the truth, even when I felt like hiding under a rug, in a closet, anywhere, I needed to speak that truth of the wreckage of my past that I carried to God, to another human being, and to myself. 
when I came to the sixth step, that for me was the real power step. It's such a quiet step. We're entirely ready to have God remove these defects of character. But for me, it was a turning point in my recovery because because I was food sober, I had the clarity of mind to see myself through grace with a clarity I'd never had before. And through four through six, I had a prayer of my own that I often said, please God, help me to see what I could never see on my own. Help me to see what I could never see on my own. And that, at times I thought, wow, I need to stop saying this prayer. This is way too powerful. Because when I prayed that prayer from my heart, I was given more insight, more clarity about my own demons. And when I got to the sixth step, the biggest I could see was a deep, life-defining sense of guilt, shame, and worthlessness. I, for the first time in my life, was able to see how it made it impossible to love, incapable to love, and that because I was clear and I was connected with that reality, it was so noxious, it was so dark, that I realized if if I was not changed, if this life-defining defect of character was not removed, I would pick up the food again. I would pick up because it would drive me back to the food. It was that noxious. And I knew I couldn't remove it. I could not make that deep, deep psychic change, that change of heart within myself. Furthermore, when I thought about how how profoundly I would be changed, I thought I wouldn't even recognize myself. I wouldn't even know myself anymore which made it feel like a kind of death, a kind of dying. And that stopped me for several weeks. Even if there was a power that could and would, what would be left of me, I felt I would not even know myself. It was so primal. What allowed me to cross that threshold was knowing if I didn't, I would be back in the food. I would resume that hellish life of active addiction. So I stepped off the cliff of step six and became entirely ready to have that defect removed. And something that has been helpful with me with step six and continues to be, because it is such a quiet step, when I'm not sure if I'm entirely ready I allow myself to wordlessly go inside myself and try to sense anything that feels like Velcro about what it is that's the issue. Am I feeling Velcro within myself in relation to that that defect that I need to be entirely willing to give up? And if I feel Velcro, I know I'm not ready to move on. I'm not yet entirely ready, and step seven isn't going to be helping me. So um, these are power steps, and I'm so grateful for them. They've certainly transformed my life. I'll pass. 
Who else would like to comment on steps four through six? Good morning, it's Leah. Good morning, this Leah. is Betty from Syracuse, New York. I, uh, we okay, all right. All right, let's, good morning, Leah. Please go ahead, and then Betty. Thank you, Victoria. Good morning, everybody. My name is Leah. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. You know, as I look at these steps this morning, you know, the simplest way to regard them is, is a series of directions. This page lists a series of directions that leads me out of the, out of the chains and out of the bondage of compulsive overeating uh, and that mad realm to a spiritual awakening, to a personality change sufficient to bring about recovery. So, you know, just to back up for a moment, you know, that, that first step, you know, do I have an allergy of the body? Are there certain substances that trigger a phenomenon of craving? Check. Do I have an obsession of the mind, meaning that even after I've eliminated those substances, does my mind um, send me back to that first bite over and over and over and over and over and over again? Check. Check. Uh, So that's my problem. Step two is going to be my solution. I need a power. It's obvious that, obvious that me and my own resources aren't enough, not my willpower, not my self-knowledge, not any intelligence, not any effort on my part, not even other human resources is enough to restore me to sanity. It's not enough. I need a power greater than myself to restore me to sanity. That's going to be my solution. Step three is a decision that I'm making. Steps one and two are merely a conclusion of the mind. Very important, but a conclusion of the mind. Step three is a decision. But a decision without action that follows it is basically and essentially worthless. The result is the same as if I hadn't made the decision at all. So step four actually is my first action step. Step four is my first action step made of searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. I mean, this whole book that we read and these pages that we study every morning, the main object of the book is to enable us to find a power greater than ourselves, which will solve our problem. It's a search for God. So step four is that first action step. The big book taught me in We Agnostics that deep down inside, there is a fundamental idea of God. But I have obscured it. I've obscured it by worship of other things. I've obscured it uh, through barriers, barriers of resentment, of fear, of uh, dishonesty and self-seeking. You know, God is deep down within us, but we've obscured it. We've put up barriers between God and ourselves. So step four is going to have me take a look. What is the barrier between me and God? And when I can get rid of that stuff, get rid of the resentments, Get rid of the fears, the dishonesty, the selfishness, the inconsiderate habits. When I get rid of that stuff, I will have a consciousness of God. And ultimately what that means is that I will have through this process, because steps four through nine are the program of action. Step one was the problem. Step two is the solution. Step three is a decision, a very important decision, but nothing's happened yet. Step four is my first action step. And as I proceed through steps four through nine, ultimately what that means is that I will have a psychological change, a spiritual awakening sufficient to overcome that mental obsession which sent me back to the food over and over and over again. Because only God, only God can remove the obsession of my mind, 
because a, a sick mind can't heal a sick mind. Only God could do that. It's the program of action, steps four through nine. And again, first action step was step four. Step four where I could examine, with the help of someone else, examine the way my thinking was. All action is born in thought. Examine those attitudes. Examine those prejudices. Examine the ideas and the emotions which were um, distorted and twisted and not in harmony with God and the world around me. Step four through six allowed that process to begin. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah. Betty, good morning. Go ahead, please. Thank you. This is Betty from Syracuse, New York, a compulsive overeater uh, who is in recovery. Thank you, God. Uh, I was thinking of steps four, five, and six and would like to comment because um, I'm grateful for all the comments that have come before me. Um, Step four I was afraid of because I was afraid of knowing who I was and letting you know or anyone else know who I was. And Bill W. says that, um, in, um, as Bill sees it, that one of the fears we have is afraid of, you know, letting others find out who we are. And that was so true for me. But as somebody in the wonderful OA How program said, Betty, it's really about you joining the human race. And, you know, after I took step four, I really felt like I was part of a group. I never felt part of. I always felt different. And um, and he said, because we all have character defects, some of us use some more than others and vice versa, but we all have them, and we're all the same. Our situations may be different. Some of the facts that led us to food may be a little different, but basically we all have the same feelings, and we're all human, and we're all on this recovery bus together trying to get better each and every day. And then as I learned from my sponsor and from the readings, the wonderful wisdom that I find in the readings, uh, is that step five was getting me ready. God was germinating in me through this wonderful program and through his ultimate un- unexplainable, unmeasurable power and love that he was planting seeds in me to germinate for my recovery. And the sharing with another person was the important thing for me to step out of myself, get rid of the shame that I was going to be judged or thought of as somebody bizarre and different. And um, and so step five was really important. After I read it to my first sponsor, she suggested I read it to someone else I trusted. And I didn't understand that, but she knew me a lot better than I knew myself. And that really helped me in terms of seeing that other people didn't think I was any less than. In fact, they made me feel less shamed, much more accepted, and even loved. And then step six is where I make a decision um, to use these, this, these germinating seeds that God put in me to start working on the rest of my program and the character defects that are patterns of mine that still come back from time to time but are lesson and lesson, thank you, God, over time. And so these steps, all of them, as others have said this morning, are such powerful spiritual principles for me. And I'm so grateful that um, 
God's wisdom was passed on to Bill and Bob and all the other people who helped write them. Thank you for this meeting, and I'll pass. Thank you, Betty. Would anyone else like to share on steps four through six? This is Janice. Janice, good morning. Go ahead, please. Good morning, Victoria. Good morning, Vision for You. My name is Janice. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. You know, here we are talking about those very, very important actions that we begin to take when we work steps four and five. But what I always like to remember is that step six and seven are also very, very practical, very, very practical action-oriented steps. Because once those things are uncovered in me, once those obstacles, those barriers, those places that had blocked me um, from this power greater than myself that I choose to call God, you know, those were revealed to me in steps four and five. Well, now what are you going to do about it, Janice? What are you going to do about it? And steps six and seven are very practical because they reaffirm once again, where does the power lie? Where does the power lie? The power lies in God removing those things from me on a daily basis, one day at a time, one day at a time. Because without those continuing barriers removed, I'm not going to be able to move forward and take even more action steps to start making things right with the people that I had harmed. You know, and I love, love what it says in the 12 and 12. On page 108, it says, then in step seven, we humbly asked God to remove our shortcomings such as he could or would under the conditions of the day we ask. So as I'm moving forward in this program, as I'm moving forward in my work of the steps, I'm constantly now starting to be in that conscious contact. I'm awakening to the world of the spirit as those barriers are removed. So God help me just for the day, on this Wednesday, to remove those character defects so that I can keep moving forward. When I'm fearful, when I'm resentful, when these things crop up, you know, help me so that I can continue to move forward. And that was absolutely a necessity for me, step six and seven. Let those things be revealed to me and then God help me, remove them from me, just for today in whatever ways they begin to crop up so that I can keep moving forward into steps eight and nine, doing the work of steps eight and nine, because it is there that the promises begin to take place in my life. It is there where I'm into that place safe and protected, where God is giving me the freedom now to move forward and make things right with my fellows. You know, I'm right with God and with myself as I'm moving through these steps. But now let me be right with those around me. Let me move out of that place of isolation and self-sufficiency into the world where I relate to other people, where I become an open channel. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Janice. Let's move on now to steps 7 through 9. Would anyone like to comment on steps 7 through 9? Did you call? This is Sharon. Did you call on me, Victoria? Uh, yes, Sharon. Go ahead, please. Good morning. 
Okay, good morning. This is Sharon, and I am a great, gratefully recovered compulsive overeater. Very glad to be with you this morning. Step seven, humbly ask him to remove our shortcomings. Step eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Step nine, made direct amends to such people whenever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. In um, what I'd like to, starting in step seven, the thing that that um, really stands out here, humbly, that's the attitude that that um, we are told that we need to approach this step with the attitude of humility, which means that um, we accept within ourselves, this is what it means to me, we accept within ourselves that we have some shortcomings. Um, In all honesty, when I first started doing step four, I could not see my part. I didn't see where I was wrong. I couldn't see what my shortcomings were. Uh, and, um, And then I had a point, I came to a point where all I could see of myself was shortcomings. I couldn't see any good in myself. But when I got to humility, I could accept that there were some things that I didn't do right, that there were that I needed some help, that I had made some mistakes, and uh, that I needed to change. But I also learned, as I practiced step seven, that I did not even that I had these shortcomings, that um, I wasn't the shortcomings didn't define me. They were just how I acted upon life. They were, but they weren't me. Um, And so by recognizing that they weren't me, I could be willing to let go of them so that I could come to be who I am, who who I was completely. So humbly asking him to remove our shortcomings, uh, The other thing, so I I had to let go of being attached to my shortcomings. I had to let go of being attached to my character defects. The other thing that I learned in doing step seven is it it wasn't helpful. It was not helpful for me to look at myself and make a list of all of my shortcomings and then go to God and with my list and say, God, I want you to remove these particular things from me. What it is, step seven says, humbly ask him to remove our shortcomings. So what I have learned to do is to recognize my shortcomings and then to present them to God because I am not always uh, the best person to say which one of my defects of character are really uh, need to be removed, that are really the most harmful to other people. Sometimes what I consider a defect is just really a strength that needs to be honed or that needs to be trained or that needs to be directed. Uh, Whereas if I was going with my list to God, I would have gotten rid of it, buried it, and it would have, that would not be helpful to me and to others. So, um, so that's in step seven, uh, humbly ask him to remove our shortcomings. I find that 
the other thing that I've learned uh, in studying step seven is that some of my shortcomings are not a problem to God or to others. They're a nuisance to me. Perhaps I feel embarrassed by them. Perhaps I feel that I'm not as powerful uh, looking to other people if I have that shortcoming. Perhaps it distorts my image of myself or uh, I'm embarrassed of it or whatever. So, uh, but when I start, when I get to that point, I'm losing my humility. So the humility is required that we stay in that humility and stay in the recognition that we cannot define what our shortcomings are or which ones need to be gotten rid of first. So surrendering even that and remaining humble and saying, God, you know what I need to get rid of and I am willing to let go of them as you direct me. And just as we surrendered our food to God to uh, allow God to deliver us of our compulsive overeating, we surrender our shortcomings um, in mass, in totality, completely, every one of them surrender. Now we know the specific, we know I've got these 10 or 20 character defects. God, I'm surrendering each of them to you. You remove from me the ones that are most detrimental. Uh, every one of them that are harmful to others and prevent me from doing your will and prevent me from being who you would have me to be and of being of maximum usefulness and maximum service to others. So that's step seven. Step eight, briefly. Thank you, Sharon. Sharon, Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. It's time for us to close. Okay. Um, Can you hold that perhaps for tomorrow? Thank you. Thank you to everyone who has shared. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Fran, will you please read Vision for You? Yes. Good morning. This is Fran, Compulsive Overeater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who's still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then, pass.